Hello and welcome to the first episode of the podcast. This is serious with Jake Parker and Jocelyn DeBonis. Uh, Jocelyn, go ahead and tell us about your weekend a little bit uh, and your your victory. <laughs> I won by default <laughs> the Detox Sober Lounge. I feel like that's up. an accomplishment. What do you say by default? All the people who would have won it dropped out. <laughs> Like who? Ham. Bill Queen. Did they do the best at the first one? Yeah. Red Little. Um, we think he's in jail. Really? Probably. Damn. I might have to edit that out. Likely probably. Well, that I, I don't know any of the details, but I can't say that surprises me. But He, uh, he stated at the last competition that he'd probably end up in jail. Well, I think I remember him saying that at an open mic. Well, then none of Caleb's texts were going through to him. What is that? What? I, yeah. I don't know what that would, would have to do with jail, though. It's just assumable. Well, Red Little, if you're listening to this in jail, <laughs> we're looking out for you, brother. What's funny is if we went to, like, go, like, see if he was in jail. Like, that's not his real name. Like, they, mm-hmm. they'd be that like, makes sense. <laughs> who's Red Little? I mean, but that's still, that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's an accomplishment. That's admirable. That's amicable. So congratulations. Let me be the first to say. What so you didn't get anything? I got 50 bucks. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good money. Yeah. And then I drove back from Missouri. On nobody Saturday. else got anything? No, no one else got anything. And they still had to do time. It's so. pretty much worth it. But yeah. Good and you game. drove back and what about that? Oh, I drove back. My grandma gave me 60 bucks plus the 50 from the competition. It's like a full weekend's worth of work. It's all I, cash. Uh, I was at the horse races yesterday, and today, on Sunday, this is Sunday, we're recording this. On Saturday, it was the horse races, but on Sunday, I posted on my Instagram story those camels and the ostriches, and apparently they're <laughs> going to race, not the camels, I don't think, but they're going to race the ostriches today. Shit, you not. The ostriches? Is that, how would you say the plural of ostriches? Ostri. Mm, is that true? Ostrichy. Let's Google it, because we can do that. I was reading about some Warren Buffett stuff. Doesn't surprise me. Ostrich. What kind of people do you think are going to listen to this podcast? Like our raving fans? Uh, my grandma, my aunt. Ostriches. It, mm. it says O-S-T-R-I-C-H-E-S. Ostriches. I think you said Ostriches. it right the first time. Yeah. It just sounds weird. Say the genus name. So the genus is Struthio. Struthio, a genus of birds in the order Struthioniformes, whose members are are the ostriches. It is part of the intra infra infra class paleo gene. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Also, unrelated note: uh, if you haven't seen the new Jackass, it's really solid. <laughs> Britney yeah. Spears deleted scenes from Jackass 3. Yeah, poo cocktail. <laughs> oh, should we do a live watch? I'm Steve O. This is the poo cocktail supreme. Oh, wow. 11 million views. So, do you obviously see what's happening here? I would assume. Yeah, I see. He's in a porta potty. That's when Chris Dunn was still alive. Or I think that's the name. Oh, God. It's so fucked. This is what they showed on most of the commercials. 
Is it fully loaded? Oh yeah. It's like a used porta potty. Oh wow. Oh, he had his oh, mouth open. Oh, oh no. It's so, so bad. Where did they get the porta potty oh, from? I don't what know. What I mean, it? think of how many porta potties there are just in Omaha. Oh, God. Oh, no. That's so bad. Oh. Why does he have his mouth open? I think he starts throwing up very profusely. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That's so bad. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. Bam's throwing up. I don't know why Bam wasn't in the new one. Que paso, Bam? Have you ever I don't know why it's thrown up from something that, like, not related to what you put into your body not that i can remember i've never had something external make me throw up like it's only it's been internal god i like the spanish subtitles yeah i don't know why they're spanish oh dios mio i'm not kidding <laughs> Oh, he starts running out. <laughs> oh, gross. I mean, like, yeah, that's, that's about as bad as it gets. But uh, the other one, the other jackass, um, like my other favorite jackass stunt that, like, you saw, he they kind of, like, redid it. Um, like, when Dave England goes into the hardware store. Oh, yeah, they showed it. Yeah, they, they showed, showed it. it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. That's, like, my other favorite jackass stunt. Oh, the first time they do it, though, he pooped his pants. He couldn't hold it. <laughs> that bad? Yeah. A bunch of people throwing up again. Oh, oh God. That's oh. so bad. Oh. <laughs> this, is, this is the other best one. When they start hitting golf balls, that girl is super hot. I like her. <laughs> she wasn't in it enough. Machine Gun Kelly. He's about to be in Omaha. Yes. No, I thought it was Kansas City. I think he's gonna be in Omaha. I saw like a billboard of it. The golf course air horn. People like tee off at him. This is like OG. This must have been in like the early two. Oh, 2002 is when it came out. <laughs> you still hit it pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Versailles. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> what is bursitis? I know. Look it up. This the next one's the best one. <laughs> Tease it up, Adam. <laughs> Let's see what bursitis is. I feel like they didn't do a lot of like prank stuff in the new one. No, it's kind of harder to fuck with people these days. I think inflammation. Oh, of a bursa. That guy looks in pain. I don't know what that has to do with sound at all, but I think he was just what he thought of. Okay, but let's let's get into the questions. Yeah. Um. So I guess like as far as poop or pee being the first one. <laughs> Um, I don't know, but I think it's pee, but I don't think it's by like a lot. I think I, think I like saying them together. Part, yeah. I think they belong together. I don't yeah. like to say one without the other, but if That's I fair. had to choose between the two, I would go pee pee. Poo poo is just market. like, it's a little harsh on the tongue. Yeah. All right. So, um, I think we should just like, like ease into these. So the first one, like these two kind of together, what makes a joke funny? And is there anything you mm-hmm. can't joke about? like mm-hmm. notably like race because i think there's I, like something that i think is kind of unique to my viewpoint is like i grew up in a super white town like small town and so i have a lot of views on race that i know need to be challenged but i think mm-hmm. the weird thing about the world today is people are scared to like say something that's gonna get them in trouble but like as long as it doesn't come from a hateful place yeah i think you should be more like more forthright about like what you think not necessarily in a joking manner per se Mm -hmm. but maybe it can be funny if you're like describing the way you think or like the way you thought in the past Mm -hmm. but there's a fine line between like that and hateful so i feel like when it comes to like talking about like challenging topics i think it's also like the skill level of writing that you have like i don't think anything's off the table I think it's like, are you skilled enough to talk about that in a way to make it funny? Yeah. Like, because I feel like oftentimes I see people just like picking topics that are super edgy, but don't have the skill level to like convey it. And it just, it, that's yeah. when it comes across as offensive. Yeah. It's kind of like, I mean, I've told you about this. Like I've talked to Ross a lot about this. Like if you're going to say something that's like, well, I guess this isn't, I guess this isn't the same, but it's also interesting. I think where it's like, if you're going to say something that's super easy, like masturbation, like having sex, like yeah, well, those are for everyone. It's so easy mm-hmm. that I think there's like a really high bar for it to be really, really funny, like mm, like funnier oh, than okay. average. Yeah. So like like not even funnier than average, but like funnier than most other funny jokes, because it's just so much more obvious and it's just so much more teed up. So yeah. I guess I kind of I guess with a lot of that stuff, like it has some. I guess there's something to be said for like it has to be so funny that it's undeniable that it's funny Mm -hmm. and if it's like airtight in that way then I don't know I'm trying to think of like I know Louis has a lot of examples of like stuff like that like in his last special when he talks about the black lady and the banana like it's just so (laughs) funny that like I think everybody's just laughing and nobody's like judging it Mm -hmm. and I feel like also it's like you have to just I don't know it's the it's the way you write that you can't just like present the topic to the people and just expect people to think that that's funny. I feel mm. like there's just the writing. Like, you know, Louis' joke about the uh, the N-word on the forklift joke? Yeah, The guy yes. falling asleep? Because the interesting part about that is it does stem from, like, he's, like, 
I would I'd work yeah, with all these black yeah. writers and we would have discussions on race mm-hmm. and then like we discussed like is this that's a really funny joke mm-hmm. you know what special that's from um it might, it might be from live at the comedy store yeah which is weird yeah, because yes. live at the comedy store overlaps with and is just like a little bit less is it just a little bit shorter than live at madison square garden you want to okay i was listening to live at madison square garden yeah, it was the all the same jokes but there's was, like 10 more extra minutes maybe yeah there were some jokes that i hadn't heard or like he just told them i feel like a little bit different mm-hmm. that's where the bat joke is in i the, mean yeah yeah the bat in which one both of them mm. i don't know that there's any really good ones like i have it saved on here i don't know if there's any like really good ones that aren't in live at the comedy store the vagina joke that's funny i don't know why but my the, wife has a very juicy pussy <laughs> the one about rat sex oh that one's it's a little <laughs> it's bit not, it's a little it's bit a, absurdist it is but i like that that's, that's pretty funny the wizard of the Oz dog really i don't know why whenever he talks about dogs what is this dog one i know the one from his last two that this one is like he talks about really wanting a dog as a child and then they finally get a dog oh and yeah and hated him. Him. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, like, and what makes something funny, I think this kind of can like lead into the question too, about like, are you born funny or is it something mm. that's developed? I think yeah. it's like some people are effortless, effortlessly funny, which like someone like Red Little is a good example. Yeah, like, effort- I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure he doesn't like think about, oh, this joke's the rule of three or like yeah. this joke's of this is like that. He's just up there being himself, which like me, I I mean, you don't, I don't think anybody does stand up if they're not like funny growing up. Mm-hmm. Like I would say everybody that we know that does comedy was probably one of the funnier kids like in their school. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like some people are more like me where I'm more like formulaic about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes me good. But also like along with being funny, but some people are just like, they ride that pure talent. Well, also I like, who do you think has like the advantage people who are naturally funnier or people who have like a good writing ability? Cause I feel like in my opinion, I feel like people that are naturally funnier have the advantage because I feel like anyone can learn how to write. Whereas, but I don't know. I feel like you can say, make the other argument for people that are naturally good writers. Cause if you can write a good joke, then it's funny mm-hmm. and it could be funnier than, I don't know. I don't know. It reminds me of like sports where sometimes mm. it's just like someone mm. is successful at sports because they're working on it just mm-hmm. like relentlessly but sometimes it's just because they were like incredibly gifted yeah. their entire life mm-hmm. like i mean hopefully don't lose people too much but it's like larry bird like the white dude that played for the celtics yeah everybody talked about he was like the hardest worker ever and that was his advantage mm-hmm. then you look at someone like i don't know alan iverson was just like purely athletic for the most part i mean obviously worked hard he had that famous clip of like talking about practice and then someone like Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan is probably a better example or like LeBron it's like a good example of the mixture of both of them so I think the funniest people I can't think that there's a famous comedian out there that doesn't like think about writing yeah like I think Patrice O'Neal is probably one of the good examples which I'm not too familiar with him but he seems like one of the good examples of someone who's just like really funny without even trying yeah like Chris Rock, I know, is a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Louis. Um, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld is like one of the most famous, like, just sit down to write every day. Yeah. I feel like, like someone like Burt Kreischer kind of yeah. seems more on the, like, I'm just funny. Naturally, naturally funny. Part. Yeah. But I feel like that has, it's like, you can only ride that for so long where people are just used to your personality and it kind of loses. It's like, mm-hmm. 
they're like, oh, that's their persona. That's all they do. Whereas if you have someone who's like a better writer, you look forward to hearing their new jokes. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I was talking to my parents yesterday. We're having a conversation about like who gets famous in comedy and when, because I was pointing out how a lot of comedians I know like didn't get famous until they were like, give or take close to 40. Mm -hmm. Like Louis, Patton Oswalt, David Cross, Louis Black was like closer to 60. But then you have someone who, like Chappelle, who's been famous since he was like 21, yeah, basically. Yeah. And I guess that I guess that kind of just boils down to raw talent too. And a lot just has to tip in your favor. It's oh, like yeah. with anything else. Positioning. I heard Mark Norman talking on this podcast once about how like a lot of jokes you hear at an open mic, if you fill the crowd at Carnegie Hall and someone did those same jokes, like people would probably be laughing their asses off. Mm. Because a lot of it just comes down to environment. Yeah. I mean, could someone sustain for an hour? No, that's different. But like, if someone has a really solid joke, that's just a solid joke. Like, mm -hmm. it's not like, and that's what's interesting about comedy too. It's like how they talk about stand up and talking funny. Anyone can do it, but it's at a different level that people get to that makes it impressive. So not anyone could play a guitar, but anyone could hypothetically try and do stand up and look like they know what they're doing maybe. So do you think it's like worth pursuing though? If like someone starts out, well, I mean, no one's naturally like good at it when they first like start. That's something you build over time. But like, say you're three years in, this person's just not funny. Like, do you encourage people to keep just like going or what do you think? Mm. Like keep going? It depends. You... it depends if you're like, this is going to be my thing that I try to pay my bills with someday or mm. just something I like doing that's fun. Just a hobby. Yeah. yeah. How you look at it. Like there was a bit in one of the seasons on uh, Louis where he like tells this guy, he's like, sorry, you're just like never going to be good. Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I feel like there's people that you can just tell naturally whether it's going to work out for them or not. But who's to say like if they don't work hard enough at it that they couldn't get better. But I think it depends on the person whether or not they want to get better this guy I don't, know, I don't know what to tell you Bart I'm not trying <laughs> well it, it's tough but no you're not you're not fine. I mean I, I'm oh. not staging right okay okay well, it, what do I change is, is it my jokes or jokes see that just, that's the thing I don't, I don't you know those really jokes like when you talked about uh, winning a band on stage did you think that would be funny? Well, in comedy, you're supposed to tell the truth, right? You have to be like honest about something. Yeah, but you gotta, but it has to be funny. You have to start with what's funny, what makes you laugh. What makes me laugh? Yeah, you do what makes you laugh. That's where you start. That's a good point. Think about yeah, that's a good start point. On stage. Start there. What is, what's funny to you? Buster Keegan, let's go home. Okay. Okay, let's see. Can't do this. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. I'm sorry. And I, you're a nice kid and I appreciate that you're so honest. I really do. But yeah. So, anyway, like the point being, like, he makes, and I heard him, heard him talk about this on an NPR podcast one time where he's like, some people just really don't have it. And like, that yeah. was the point of the, having that scene. I would love an honest conversation like that. But at the same time, it's like the people who attain success in anything, like when you read about like the most successful people in history, 
like they a couple people told them oh you can never do this and they just fucking did it anyway Mm -hmm. so there's something to be said for just like i mean i don't necessarily believe in destiny but i believe in destiny to the to the point where like if you believe in something so strongly that you're gonna do whatever it takes like you're not guaranteed success but if you try at something for years and years and years something's bound to happen it's interesting like most people have probably heard of the 10,000 hour rule. Yes. There's this um, author, James Altucher, and he talks about the 10,000 experiments rule. So he's like, you can shortcut the 10,000 hours rule if you just try to like do something 10,000 different ways. I feel like that's not possible. I mean, but, <laughs> that's a but it's like, yeah, but I... it's, it's like just switching. I mean, there's so many things you could switch. Like there's endless variables. Yeah. I don't know. It's obviously hard to like extrapolate, but I don't know. I think there's something to be said for just trying to figure out what's funny. Because I think that's why people always say you need like 10 years in comedy to be good. Because that's Mm -hmm. how long it takes to figure out like what's funny Mm -hmm. about the way I look at things, about Mm -hmm. the way I think about things, like whatever. Yeah. You have to find your style. Just like he said on the clip, it's like, what do you think is funny is what you have to start out with. Yeah, I feel like that's, like, I didn't hear that advice until, like, a couple weeks ago, just, like, asking myself when writing, like, what's funny about it, and then just cutting out anything else that I don't need and just focusing on what's funny. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's so important. I didn't hear about it <laughs> until recently, but it helps. The thing that Joe Rogan always says on his show about comedy, or, like, the advice he always gives is, like, write an essay, like, write a bunch about something, and then try oh, to figure out what's funny yeah. about it. So I think that's Yeah, advice, I like too. that advice. I do. But yeah. And as far as, I don't know, I think that goes, like, talking about things you can't joke about is so contextual. Because, like, obviously, mm-hmm. a black guy has a lot more room to talk about race than a white guy, which is yeah. how it should be. Or, like, a gay guy talking about gay issues. Like, you know, you can't, and it's, like, typical of a white guy to, like, want to explain everything to everybody. Which I think, I, I think there's, there's, like, it's like you said, there's room for everything. Mm-hmm. But it has to be you're you're I think you're under the guise of having to make it more or less airtight depending on who you are and I think it's like I feel like if it's clear in your writing that you're imposing views I feel like that's people it shuts people down Mm -hmm. whereas if you're just kind of like analyzing something as it is as it's happening rather than just trying to impose how you feel about it I feel like it's more successful People like curiosity. So well, I yeah. think it's a lot to be said for just being curious. Yes. Yeah. Like my mom's a kindergarten teacher. Mm-hmm. And again, like I was talking to my parents last day when I was with them. And we were just talking about how when kids are like five or six, they ask why about everything. But mm-hmm. then you get that beaten out of you. It's like p- people tell you to shut up enough when you ask why too much. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that must be a bad thing. But really like you should, you should almost ask why just as much as you did when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. your day-to-day life because that's how you figure stuff out yeah because so many of our assumptions are based on false preconceptions or just realities that we've constructed in our heads that aren't there I think that's why I'm drawn to comedy because it's inherently kind of ruleless and so all you're trying to get is laughs and so there's a lot of different ways to do that yeah I don't know I I feel like whenever I'm on stage it just kind of always feels like a social experiment where it's always strange, like, what makes me laugh? Like, I mean, the fear is always, like, if I, what I think is funny, they're not going to think is funny. 
but it is also super interesting to see what people also agree with and think is funny yeah it's interesting because it starts with what you think is funny mm-hmm. and then it gets kept or not based on is it resonated with yeah I feel like that's also what makes a joke funny to me is if it's relatable and like it's super hard I don't know I feel like at my age too and the people that I often see in the audience I'm like I feel like no one wants to hear about the perspective of like a 20 year old female because I don't have life experience so I feel like it is harder for me to find like relatable things that are funny but I do find that relatable comedy is more funny to me than like observational or Mm -hmm. yeah I think that it's why I like that quote what's most personal is most universal yeah because Mm -hmm. I think a good conversation hack just I mean it's it's I'm relating it back to comedy but I first heard this on like a it was like a like a conversation podcast or something like that and it's like not everybody has the same experiences but everyone has experienced the same emotions so like Mm -hmm. if you're talking Mm -hmm. about a time you were embarrassed or you were upset or you were sad maybe not everyone has lived through the same experience but everyone, if you, if you focus on the emotion, mm-hmm. everyone can relate to that. So I think that's yeah, another I, good thing to think about too. I know. I feel like, especially like with my writing, I feel like the emotion that I, I try to go with is like embarrassment because I feel like that's very relatable. And it like, even if it's not the exact thing that someone's felt, that it's something like everyone's been embarrassed at some point mm-hmm. and they can find, they can laugh at that. Mm-hmm. And there's just, it's so hard to just take someone along for the ride you want to take them on but mm-hmm. I guess that that's like the main thing is just yeah. like are you with me here or like if you lose somebody that's when something's not funny yeah I feel like I don't know I feel like that helps me figure out like if I'm telling a story what parts are important to keep in because I feel like if you're telling a joke and like it's kind of a story what details are you going to lose them on to the point where they don't care about the payoff of that telling that story mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. What's another question you had? Um, oh, where do you actually, I want to start with this one. Um, how do you feel about like, I don't know. I feel like there's two different ways to ask this men's egos and comedy versus women's egos. Like, I feel like when people start comedy, I feel like what I've noticed like I feel like I've noticed more women are humble in the comedy community than men I feel like it's just easier for men to get more inflated egos I don't know yeah I mean the most interesting thing to me about men and like I don't know I think it it's kind of to my own horn but it's also true that like I'm one of the few men that I think is actually more emotionally intelligent Mm -hmm than most and I I guess where I'm going is like a lot of men just like don't they don't allow themselves to feel like I guess a lot of what men do is just like run from insecurity Mm -hmm. so it's like why men okay I guess like why do more women go to therapy than men or like why like you know Brene Brown the author she writes about like fear and I don't know like vulnerability and stuff like that and like I would say 80 to 90 percent of those her readers are uh women but it's just as useful for men to have emotional intelligence and to like think about and talk about their feelings but for most of 
you know, at least the present age or like, I don't know, not even the present age, like as long as men have been men and women have been women, Mm -hmm. there's just been an inherently less, less of a incentive or it's harder for men to be, to be in touch with their feelings. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why men put up that wall. So ego comes from a place of like lack of. Yeah. Ego is just fear. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Protection from reality. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, just, yeah. An inflated version of yourself that like protects you from seeing I mean think about every person you you've you know with a huge ego Mm -hmm. you can probably point pretty easily to like up like they're damaged they're hurt yeah they're insecure Mm -hmm. because because it's kind of like when you compare confidence to cockiness like there's nothing wrong with being confident but it's pretty easy to tell the difference between when someone's being confident or cocky and cockiness is kind of synonymous with ego to me where it's you're fearful you're hurting maybe you're fearful and hurting Mm -hmm. so I think that that's I've always kind of been jealous of women that like it's easier and it's more acceptable for women to be like I'm not okay like I need you know I need help in this emotional aspect of my life whereas guys are just more prone to like shove it deep down and never talk about it yeah yeah I guess I don't understand it from that perspective because I've always well I mean I I was like raised in an environment where like emotional intelligence was not there not a thing but as I got older it's something that like I developed on my own and like took care of but yeah you took care of it you're done no I'm not (laughs) I'm handling it I think I mean like (laughs) it it is weird that I'm so into like the evolutionary perspective of things but the the thing that originally attracted me to it is because I think that that explains why people are the way they are so like men I think you can draw men's ego and like not wanting to be in touch with their feelings to like the hunter gatherer in the sense that like the men would be responsible for like protecting the tribe and hunting and killing things like emotions are such a deterrent to a goal like that and Mm -hmm. so you have that like masculinity and aggressiveness it's like we still have our, our brains are still wired and like, oh, we're hunter-gatherers. We have to like protect and be strong and fight and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of the, a lot of it just comes from that, which is, it's silly t- that you're, that you'd think that we're still driven by that if, when you actually break it down. But I guess when you don't reflect on your feelings and why you feel the way you do and why you act the way you do, you just wind up, you just wind up falling into patterns of behavior and you don't understand why. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, like, The other thing, the other, I think, side of the coin of ego is like every, every comedian has an ego to some extent, because if you think that anybody really cares to listen to what you have to say, like (laughs) that's inherently a narcissistic, egotistic thing to, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy if you break it down. Yeah, I get it. But I also think that like, I think it was probably a video that you sent me, like a part of having the likability of being on stage is having a balance between like humility and Mm -hmm. confidence so of course I think that everyone is a little narcissistic Mm -hmm. but like I feel like there's also you have to balance that out with humility in order to I don't know it goes back to just like that conversation around destiny it's like whether you believe in destiny or not maybe on the side of believing in it you'd be like oh well I'm drawn to do comedy because I'm supposed to for some reason like maybe that's true maybe it's not but if the outcome is that you work harder then believe whatever you want to believe like I don't know I think that 
it's just it's it, there's just so much of like success in comedy or whatever it just comes down to like how hard and how much work you're willing to put into it which is weird because comedy is so inherently goofy and like lighthearted. yeah but it still does require weird. a lot of hard work to get mm-hmm. good I've also noticed just like the aspect of like networking and making good connections and building good relationships with people gets you a lot further than if you just are going up on stage I feel like there's also that aspect that like propels you further in comedy Mm -hmm. yeah with yeah just like with anything else yeah it's like it's about who you know Mm -hmm. and I mean with comedy there's an inherently beneficial nature to networking where you you know like you can talk about oh how do you write jokes what are your inspirations and stuff like that where it can actually help make you a better comedian too but uh yeah should we do a couple more questions yeah keep it to like half hour 45 minutes yeah Okay, I think the first one's a whole can of worms. We'll <laughs> save it for something else. But I think like along these lines, how do you how do you deal with self doubt and like how big of a role does self doubt play in comedy and just like in your life? I feel like with self doubt, I always try to pinpoint a certain like scenario or situation where it happened at. Like if it's triggered from something somebody said, which usually is what happens, and then I have to like kind of take steps. I don't know. I analyze the source of where it's coming from. So if it, if it's from what someone said, I look at that person and if it, there's any merit to what they're saying, mm-hmm. are they, are they worth someone? Is it, is their opinion worth listening to? Mm-hmm. But I do feel like, I mean, I do have self-doubt, but also, I don't know. I've proven like my daily actions that, that I combat it by doing things and I don't know, proving myself wrong. And what I'm thinking. I think that everybody in comedy has some imposter syndrome. Like, oh, 100%. As much yeah. as you're narcissistic, you're also like, what the fuck am I doing? Do Why it, does yeah. anybody care what I have to say? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, like being 26, I, I, I look at self doubt totally different than I did when I was like 23. Because I guess, kind of like you said, like I've, I've built a lot of confidence just from things I've done. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have as much insecurity as it used to everybody feels insecure to some extent but mm-hmm. because I've done you kind of have to prove yourself oh yeah mm-hmm. what's there's like a saying that I've used before like oh like confidence requires evidence yeah so like that goes back yeah. to confidence and cockiness like mm-hmm. if you have evidence for why you should be confident it's not hard to protrude confidence exactly. but if you're if you're on the flip side and you're just being cocky that's mm-hmm. because you don't have anything to back it up why you feel the way you feel no I used to have like I would even say probably last summer I like came to like a, a a point where I just was like, wow, I have no confidence. But then I was kind of just looking at what I was doing. I wasn't passionate about like the job I was working at, what I was doing. I wasn't doing anything, like any hobbies to kind of like boost self-esteem. Cause I think those are important. And then I looked at that and just started like looking at things that I enjoy and pursuing things that I enjoy. And I feel like those like produced a lot more confidence. Like I'm a lot more confident now. Mm-hmm than I was like five for sure months ago yeah when you're doing something you just feel like you're you have to do or mm-hmm. you should do mm-hmm. that's where your energy just gets bogged down so easily mm-hmm. versus like there's this quote that your work should be something that looks like work to other people but feels like play to you mm-hmm. and I think that that's the sweet spot where and and there's kind of some mm, the the dangerous part of that message is like you shouldn't think that 
anything you work hard on is always going to feel like light and fun and easy, but you shouldn't just feel bogged down day after day after day in your job or like in a relationship. Like those are, I think two, two good examples of like your work is going to be hard at times, but overall it should be fulfilling. And just like a relationship, like it might have rough patches, but overall it should be fulfilling. And like anything that you spend an enumerate amount of time on, or that's important to you, it shouldn't feel like over months and like over years that it just like, Oh, this fucking sucks. So I think that we've, I think we've, I think we've hit a wall here. I think uh, this is going to be a good, like decent, like we were looking for like 30, 45 minute episode. So we'll see. uh, I don't know who's going to listen to this. I don't know if, you know, if like your Jocelyn and I's friend or family member for listening to this, if like we somehow become famous. My grandma. Yeah. If you, if we somehow become famous and. Actually my aunt Hillary would probably listen. She's probably the only one who will listen to this fully. Well, we'll see. We can see the breakdown. We can see where the listeners are and shit like that. So um yeah i don't know if you somehow can reach out to us and have comments or i think like an aspiration for me is like some q a type stuff oh you have that would to have be an fun. audience first but yeah if you're somehow listening to this and you're like hey i have a question and know how to get a hold of them um then do so goodbye bye <laughs> <laughs>